were here last week, you heard, yeah. Um, we, we learned a couple things. Answer two questions. First of all, can a Christian drink? The answer was yes, but. There's a big but of the Bible when it comes to alcohol. Um, and there's a serious warning that comes alongside the permission that's given. Now, you don't have permission to get drunk. Uh, but there is permission to drink an alcoholic beverage when it's done according to the guidelines of the Bible. An even better question, though, uh, not just can a Christian drink, but should I drink? And that's the question that you all have to answer. And the answer to that we discovered last week is probably not. There's probably, there's going to be some, some times where it might be appropriate, but in general, it's probably not a good idea to introduce this into your household, into your family. Why? Because you don't have freedom? No, because you've got wisdom. And so if you've got any questions on that, if even as I explain that, that doesn't make sense to you, please go get the CD. It's back in the, uh, in the Welcome Center or go online. Our podcast has it. The video is online as well, and we'd love, to, uh, we'd love for you to listen to that. Um, so this morning, just because we're making things even more awkward, we're going to talk about racism. Yeah! Woo! Racism. Uh, and now, talking about racism is awkward. I mean, I'll be honest. So I'm just going to be totally, brutally honest this morning. Can I, can, I, can I do that with you guys? Because this is one of those things, like I... So I grew up, my parents had a ministry. My mom did something called Backyard Bible Club. And so as a young child, I grew up going to the projects. And, and, and playing with, with the kids there, and I was like the only white kid there. And it just wasn't a real big deal to me. Um, and so now, growing up, and, and such a tension in our country over race relations, and I, I just don't want to screw up. Like, I'm just confessing to you my fear this morning. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing accidentally, and then... <laughs> And then, like, everyone, like, you know, like lo- the, the newspapers, like, local pastor speaks on racism, comma, is racist. Like, I don't want that to happen because I, like, say the wrong thing. Like, I don't know, like, sometimes, like, like should I refer, like, to African Americans or black or, like, is that, okay? like, when do I say that? And I don't want to offend anyone. So, please, before we get started, can we just acknowledge that this is hard can we just acknowledge that we're all going to try our best here, all right, and give each other some grace? Um, I, I, uh, we, we've got some funny stories uh, about this. You know, it was important to Tiffany and I when our children were young that we not use someone's race or specifically skin color to describe them. So when they had a friend, uh, whether they were white or black, we, we would just, we, when we described them, we would, we'll describe your friend, what color shirt did he wear, or, or does he ha- is he tall, is he short, you know, who are his friends? And so we would try to avoid using skin color, which was cool, because we wanted to teach our kids, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. But it, it bore some interesting uh, results. We used to play this game in the grocery store. And we play this game with our kids called I Spy. We say, I spy something green. You know, throw the grass and you guess until. And so one, one of our kids was around three or four years old sitting in the, in the grocery cart uh, in, in the buggy, you know. And, and we're playing I Spy. It's checkout time. We're at the checkout register. And we're like, okay. All right. So, and, and, um, and so they're like, all right. So I spy. So what do you got? So, so they're looking around. And then they say, I spy something brown. And Tiff starts guessing, okay, well, maybe, you know, this is brown over here, or the candy bar is brown here. And, and, all, and all of a sudden, we look at the kid, and they're smiling real big at the cashier who's African-American. 
and we're like, oh, no. no. Oh, God, no, please. And so Tiff, like, panic starts to, 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 to wash over her, like, okay, okay, please don't, okay. She's like, actually, sweet, sweetheart, we're, we're not going to play this right now. We're just going to, we're going to wait, you know. And like, you, you need to guess, mommy, you need to guess. Like, no, 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 just, just wait. We're not going to play this game. Guess, I spy something brown. The whole time they're looking at the cashier, smiling real big. No, 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 no. Like, we don't, we don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I love the innocence of children. That's where we need to get back to. Because for them, a color is just a color. It's not about who, what someone's worth is or, or, or anything like that, you know? And so we're going to talk about racism this morning because we have to. Sunday mornings are one of the most segregated times of the entire week. And that's terrible. That's terrible. Now, God has gifted us with a multiracial congregation, and I think that is amazing. And I think it's a sign of health. Yeah. I think it's a sign of kingdom-mindedness, and I, I love it. I brag about it, just being honest. Like, when I, like most pastors brag about attendance. I don't, you know, attendance is great. I want healthy people. The attendance will come. But what I brag about when I'm talking with my pastor friends is, yeah, well, you know, we've got a growing minority population. And they're jealous, too. The good ones are. They're jealous. Because, I mean, we want that. As a minister, I want to see unity, all right? I want to see unity among all Christians. And it doesn't matter what color our skin is or anything like that. So I want to, there's going to be a lot of information. I'm just warning you right now. I'm about to just, just lay it on you really fast, okay? Because I need to explain why we're even talking about this from a spiritual point of view. So I'm going to walk you through uh, some things about racism, and I'm probably just going to, to, to kind of brush over some of the scriptures, but I encourage you write them down, take a picture of the slide, whatever you need to do to look this up. But the first thing I want you to know about racism is that racism is learned. Racism is learned. Okay, children automatically don't look at the color of each other's skin to decide and to determine whether or not they're going to be friends. They look at whether or not they took their toy, <laughs> right? They, 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 whether or not they want to play the same games. But, it, but color of skin and race is, is not one of the things. And, and the problem is, is that we were all one race to begin with. We were, I mean, biblically, we know that all, everyone came from Adam and Eve, and then the, the, then the flood came, and then everyone came from Noah and his family. And over time, the races developed. But, but you need to understand, you know, when people say we're all one race, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. The color of our skin is just one small part of who we are. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 tells about when God makes the decision to make humanity. He had already made uh, animals. And so, but then verse 26 of Genesis 1, he says, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. It doesn't say let us make white man or black man in our image. All of mankind in our image. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. You are made in the image of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, um, Samuel's been commissioned by God to choose a king for Israel. He says it's going to be at Jesse's house. Jesse had a bunch of, had a bunch of, um, had a bunch of sons. 
And so he comes and uh, stands before the first son, all right, Jesse's sons. And, and Samuel goes, he thinks within himself, holy moly, this guy is quite the specimen. I guarantee you this is going to be the king. And then the Lord speaks to him and says, hey, don't look on the outside because I look on the heart. God views people based on their heart, and our hearts are the same color. And let me just say this. Let me just chase a quick rabbit. It's amazing to me that just 50 years ago or so, states had laws on the books that forbid uh, interracial marriage. Just 50 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Now, in my generation, that's bizarre to me, to, to uh, just being honest. It's bizarre that we would ban interracial marriage. And when people talk about interracial marriage, and, and you have friends, some of you may adhere to this, you have friends that believe it's not okay uh, for interracial marriage. And what they really mean is it's not okay for a white person, a black person to marry. Because they don't care about the Asian person and the white person. They don't care about the Hispanic person and the Asian person. Come on, right? You know what I'm talking about. What they care about is black and white because they're racist. That's, what they, that's it. You will find no biblical um, support that's, that's denying interracial marriage. The only verses that anyone can use to come against interracial marriage are Old Testament verses where God is trying to keep the Israelites from intermarrying with other people groups so that they wouldn't succumb to idol worship. It had nothing to do with the color of their skin. Okay, we actually know that Moses married uh, outside of his race. You know, the, the guy that God gave 10 commandments. It's not like he said, I want to give you the 10 commandments, man. But you know what? You married this girl. Come on. And so, so interracial marriage, I, I need to let you know this. This has been and Christians have been against it. And they've tried to use the Bible. And I'm here to say categorically, undeniably, there is no biblical problem with interracial marriage. There's not. As a matter of fact, You are in an interracial marriage. We are the bride of Christ. You are human. He is God. Y'all are married. Interracial marriage. Here's the next thing about racism. Racism is not new. Look, I, I know everyone thinks... I know everyone thinks, well, this is what we're dealing with right now in our, in our country, and we're going to need to figure this out. And, you know, and, and the most recent abuse um, of racism for us in America is, is uh, African Americans being enslaved. But I need to not, and I'm not taking anything away from that at all. I just want you to understand that this is a heart problem that's existed for all of humanity. Okay? This is not new. This is not only black and white. This is, this is an issue that the body of Christ has been dealing with. As a matter of fact, if you look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1, you've got two people groups, okay? You've got Jews, and you need to understand, when we, when we mention Jews, Hebrews, Israelites, we are not just talking about a religion, we are actually talking about a race. Hebrew is a race because it's all the offspring of Abraham, Okay? Um, and so, so you need to understand that the, the, there is a Jewish race because salvation came through the Jews in the Old Testament. Okay, so then when Jesus comes, salvation is now available to all people, right? And so now you've got a race problem. You've got some people who belong to Christ who were born into a specific race, 
And then you've got those who are outside of that race that are now converting to a relationship with Christ, and it caused problems. Verse Acts 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days, here, let me, let me get the version I like here. Let me get the New Living Translation. It says, As the believers rapidly multiplied, which I'm all about church growth, but it gets messy. There were rumblings of discontent because there were people there and people are like this. The Greek-speaking believers, all right, so, so these are the believers uh, who are not Jewish. They're not converted Jews. They're not Messianic Jews. So the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So what was happening, this is in the early church, okay? Yeah, there was, there was drama in the early church as well because there were people in the early church. And so the people that were not Jewish were saying, hey, you're giving more food to the widows of the Jews than the widows of the Greeks. You're favoring, you're dis- you're favoring the Jews and discriminating against the non-Jews. And so you can, I'll leave it up to you to read. They actually form a group and put some people over it to make sure that things are done rightly, and they correct the problem. But that, and it's not black-white, but it's racism. It, it was a racial issue that came up in the church. Look, this is not new, okay? The next thing I want you to hear about racism is that racism is satanic. Now, I know that's a really strong word, and I grappled with changing this word to make it a little softer, but as I continue to look at scripture, um, there's just no other word for it. Racism is satanic. Revelation 12.10 talks about the devil or Satan, and it calls him the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of, you know, what does accuser do? An accuser accuses someone of an activity or something, okay? That doesn't mean that they're right or wrong. It just means that they're bringing an accusation against the other. That's what prejudice is. Prejudice literally means to prejudge. It literally means to say, I don't know you, but I know your kind. And I'm applying characteristics in a sweeping generalization against your entire race. That's what Satan does. When you partake in racism, you are partaking in the ministry of Satan. And you are opening up your life to become accuser of the brethren. Now, I, I need to share some stuff with you, and this may be off the grid for some of y'all, but I feel like I need to share it. I don't talk a lot about open dreams and visions and angels and demons and all this kind of stuff because I don't like freaking people out, but it's real. And a few years back when, when, when I had first become pastor, I was praying. I said, Lord, show me the spiritual strongholds over our area. And he began to show me, I began to see these principalities, these demonic networks over our area. And there were three major ones. One of them was a spirit of racism. And, and I, I saw it. It looked like a snake. Um, it, it was in, in this dream. I'm going to say dream, but I wasn't asleep. Um, it was called Viper. And it was the spiritual entity over our area that was causing racial tension. And political division, it was all tied into race. And so I began to look up vipers. I began to study what a viper was and what the characteristics. And listen to this. This is crazy. Vipers, amazingly, are more poisonous the further south you go. Their venom is stored in their mouth. And our mouths are what we use to accuse the brethren. 
Their mouths can open up to, up to 180 degrees. That's one side and the other. The black side and the white side are affected. It's not just one race that's racist. The spirit of viper affects both sides equally. And they have a very fast strike. Some, some vipers can strike up to a quarter of a second in speed. And, and you've seen this, how quickly racism can get involved in a conversation. You're like, what just happened? The whole conversation's blown up now. And vipers swallow their prey whole. That spirit of racism is out to destroy lives. And you've seen it. You've seen it. Even the accusation of racism will destroy someone's career. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling you, this is dangerous. We are dealing with a spirit. There is a spiritual force behind this. And we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through pulling down strongholds. So we are going to, as a church, as a prayer group, we have to pull down that spiritual stronghold of racism. Always be on the lookout to make sure I'm not succumbing to what it says. Here's the last thing I want you to know about racism. Then we're going to talk about eradicating it. Racism was defeated at the cross. It was defeated at the cross. Now, y'all have heard Galatians 3.28 before where it says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. But all are one in Christ Jesus. You've heard that before probably. But I don't know if you've heard the verse preceding it that explains why that's true. And it's verse 37 Actually, I'm sorry, verse 27, and it says, well, we'll start at 26. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So what's the unifying factor? Jesus, right? And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, that means immersion, that means totally putting on Christ, have, been, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. What does that mean? You are literally covered with Jesus so that your skin color isn't even visible to the Lord. Do you see that? That's why there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, because when you come to the Lord, you look like Jesus. You don't look like a male. You don't look like a Caucasian. You don't look like an accountant. You look like Jesus. And that's why we can say racism doesn't matter. It was defeated at the cross because if you are in Christ, you look like Christ. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Have you heard that before? If you look that up in other translations, it says you are a chosen generation. And I, I looked this up in Greek. The, the English Standard Version, many other versions, they say you are a chosen race. See, when Jesus came and was the sacrifice for our sins and, and, and resurrected, he brought us new life. We can now come to the Father without fear and without guilt and without shame. And the things that once divided us now unite us. You are a chosen race. You are one race. There's no longer black, white, Hispanic, Asian. There is now Christian. That's it. That's the race. Do you see that in Scripture? Acts 10, 30, uh, Acts 10, 34. 
Peter, who was very proud of his Jewish heritage, as he should be. There was nothing wrong with being proud of his Jewish heritage. But he had a blind spot in his theology where he didn't think that God accepted non-Jews to be Christians yet until this experience. He has an experience with the Lord. In verse 34, it says, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those according to their race. No, those who fear him and do what's right. God shows no favoritism. The cross of Christ abolished, obliterated, got rid of racism. There's, there should be no racism whatsoever in the body of Christ. So, how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this? The first step is to admit. Romans 3.23 says that, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? All have sinned. Look, look I, I just need to be really honest with you. In my generation, again... In my generation, the idea, racism is bizarre to me. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. And so sometimes uh, white people in my generation have a tendency to say, look, that's old. That's, I didn't have any slaves, and that's a long time ago. But look, part of the healing process, and we'll talk about this more in a second, part of the healing process is being willing to admit there's a problem. You can't fix a problem that you don't admit. And I know sometimes, and we'll talk about this, sometimes if you're white and you've, sometimes you've had racism, uh, you've been accused of it, and you knew in your heart it wasn't true, and it's, that's hurtful. But we've, as the body of Christ, we've got to admit, look, this is, this is a problem. We've got to admit racism exists. You can't just say, well, we have our first black president. Now it's over. Let's move on. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything because people's hearts still haven't changed. Okay? People's hearts haven't changed. We have to admit there's still an issue. Racism does exist. And y'all know that. I mean, it doesn't take long driving around South Georgia to run into someone who's just racist as all get out. Right? And, I'm, and again, it, the, the viper opens its mouth 180 degrees. It's both sides. It's both sides. Here's the next step. After we, if we can just admit this is an issue, the next thing we have to do is learn to listen. We have to learn to listen to the other side. Whatever race you are, you've got to learn to listen to the other side. James 1.19 says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Did you know that you don't have to have an opinion on every racial matter that shows up in your social media newsfeed? Like, like, seriously, like, there were a couple guys that were shot a few months ago. Both of them were black by police officers. And everyone immediately formed an ill-informed opinion. Immediately. And, and, and felt like it was their, they were justified, it was their cause. I must use this platform to give my opinion on the guy standing on the street corner selling CDs. Well, you know, he probably was, you, look. You don't have to say anything. I relieve you of that duty. And if you have an opinion about it, you can keep it to yourself. You don't have to share it. What would it look like if we just submitted our opinions to God? And just said, you know, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I, I, I love black people. I love police. I love white people. I love Hispanic people. I, I, I love everyone. I don't know what happened, and I'm just grieved that there was a loss of life. I mean, what would, 
And Holy Spirit, if, if we need to hear, just tell me. But I'm not going to take the social media one hour after I hear about it and somehow I'm an expert. We've got to learn to listen, right? We've got to learn to listen. Listen. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. I've heard it said. I truly believe it. There's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? And one nose because some of y'all stink. Roll Tide. Here's the next thing. Now, this is really important, and this is, this is where we're getting into, I mean, obviously, you could have guessed I would have said, you know, racism exists, and we need to listen. But here's where we really get into it. We need to learn to sympathize with each other. With each other. All races. Sympathizing with a race that you are not a part of. Um, this is a beautiful scripture. 1 Peter 3.8. It says, finally... All of you, all of you, everyone, that includes you, no one is excluded. All of you should be of one mind. That's unity rallying around one thing. Sympathize with each other. What does that mean? It means put yourself in someone else's shoes. Think about what life is like for someone else other than yourself. Use your imagination to, say, to think, what would it be like if this was me? Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. That word, look it up in the Greek. Check up on me. It means to have strong bowels. Be tenderhearted. It doesn't mean you can eat a bunch of Taco Bell and be okay. It means, it means that you feel things deeply. That's what it means. Have you ever, you ever something, you, we, we would say today, that hurts my heart, right? That's what he's talking about. Be tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Look, it's important that we learn to sympathize with each other. Hey, white folks, you need to understand life is very different for black people in our community. I'm not saying it's your fault. I know that's the defense. Well, I didn't do anything. I know. And black people, please, like, you need, please don't blame us for something we didn't do. Don't, don't blame us for something that we had no intention. Even if we, even if we did do something, most of us didn't mean it. We just don't know. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine who's African-American, and he's an awesome guy. We were talking about this. I told him a few months ago we'd be speaking on this. I actually do plan out sermons. This has been in the works for a while. And I asked him, I said, man, what, what can I do to help heal race relations? What do you as an African-American man need from me as a white man? What do you need from me? And he said, look, I just need you to be aware. If, if you could just be aware that life is different for the two of us, even though we're both pastors, even though we're both believers. And he goes, and I'm not mad at you, and you didn't do anything to me, but if you could just be aware that sometimes it's, life is hard. If you could just be aware that when, when I walk into um, you know, a, 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 a place, most likely I'm going to be the minority, and you don't know what that feels like, and that's true. Most of you, come on, white people, y'all know, most of the time you're not in the minority. You don't know what that feels like, but we have, we have African Americans here in our church that have to walk into a building where they know they're going to be the minority every Sunday. Can we just honor the people that go to VFC that are African American? Can we just honor them for a second and say thank you for making the decision to come here? And we know that it was hard. We know that we know that you knew you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. Yeah, come on. Let's honor them. Honor them. 
We honor you. We honor you. Because it's hard. Look, we need to think that way. We need to think that way. We need to honor. My, my pastor friend told me, he said, I'll give you an example. He said, the big oak. I was like, what? He said, in our community, the big oak is a sign of racism. I was like, what? I mean, I've lived here my whole life. I've never heard of this. He goes, yeah. We hear stories of how black people were lynched. I had no idea. I was like, are you serious? He calls the waitress over. She's black. He goes, if I say the word big oak, what do you think? She was lynching. I'm, my mind is being blown. I have never, I've grown up in Thomasville my whole life. I've never heard of the big oak being a symbol of racism ever. But you know what? That's on me. That's on me. And you know what? I, I, I have no idea. We do know that lynchings took place in our area. I don't know if it happened on the big oak. I wasn't there. But you know what? It doesn't matter. If that's, I'm going to empathize. If that's an issue for my African-American friends, then guess what? We won't be holding a church picnic at the Big Oak. Well, but you don't know. You don't know, though. I mean, why should we have to change? Because that's what love requires of you. Who cares? If it's an offense to someone else, then it's an offense to me. We've got to learn to sympathize. And then we've got to learn to act. Proverbs 31.8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those being crushed. We've got to speak up. It's not enough to say, well, I'm not racist. Congratulations. But that's not enough. Martin Luther King Jr. has a great quote. He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Look, Christians have a long history of fighting wrongs. We have a long history of doing good, doing justice in the world. Look, make a point to act. Make a point to do something to eradicate racism. Look, you can't change the world. You can't change the United States. You can't change Georgia. You can't change South Georgia. But you can change your world. When's the last time, white people, that you thought, who is an African-American brother or sister in Christ that I can invite to dinner to my house? Black people, when was the last time you thought, on purpose, how can I reach across, invite one of my white friends to dinner, do something together? Come on, do something. Just act. Do something. The only thing that should be separated by color is the laundry. We should be doing stuff together. Here's the last point. I'm going over. I don't care. (laughs) Love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Romans 5.8, it says, but God showed his great unconditional. I'm putting unconditional in there. It doesn't say that. I'm putting it in there, and you'll see why. Love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't require us to act right to accept us. He accepted us, then trained us how to act right. Look. In order to heal race relations, all right, you're going to have to love unconditionally. And that means you're going to have to overlook some things that bother you about the other race. Well, I love them, but if they'll pull their pants up. Well, then you don't love them. Because you're placing conditions on your acceptance. If it's not rank sin, Obviously, and biblically defined by the Bible, it doesn't matter. You accept them. You accept the culture. Look, I I don't like worshiping with white people because they can't clap. That's true. 
White people cannot look. Again, if you're white and we're doing worship, find a black person near you. Watch what they do. Just give us, help us out. Y'all, y'all, clap on the, y'all clap on the one and three. You need to clap on the two and four. Am I right? It's the two and four that you clap on, not the one and three. If you just one, two, three. Other white people, one, two, three. But the black people, one, two, three, four. You see the difference? God. God didn't wait for us to act right to love us. Don't make someone of another race jump through hoops for you to love them. Jesus didn't do that for you. He didn't do that for you. I I, want to boil it down to this question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? Because love requires you to do something. It doesn't require passivity. It doesn't require you to pass it down the road to someone else and let someone else deal with it. What does love require of you? What are you doing to help race relations? Guys, look, God is trying to do something special at VFC. He's trying to create a multiracial, multiethnic congregation that loves each other. Will you help me? Will you help me do that? Will you help me be a part of what God's trying to do? I, I, need, your, I need your help. I need you to be a part of that. I need you to think strategically and act strategically. What does love require of you? Holy Spirit, what does love require of me? Now, I can't speak. I can't speak for everyone. But I'm going to invite Miss Vicki Jackson up. Vicki is an elder here at the church. And... She's one of my favorite people. It, it's a, if, if someone doesn't like Vicki Jackson, they've got serious problems. <laughs> and so I can't speak for the black race. I don't know if you all noticed, but I'm not black. I'm very white. I, I, I burn in the moonlight white. Like that's, we've actually given name to my white color, and it's moonlight, it's moonlight, moonlight chalk paste. That's what my color is. Um, it's, it's almost translucent. You look close enough, you'll see my organs. So I, I can't speak for the black race, but I want to, if you allow me, I want to speak on behalf of white people. And uh, Vicki, you're going to represent the black believers. Um, and I just, I just want to say this to you guys. I just want to say that I'm sorry for the injustices that have happened to African Americans. Some of it's come from the hands of my race, and I'm genuinely embarrassed and remorseful over that. I empathize with your history, and I'm sorry for the long and difficult struggle that black people have endured. I apologize for being ignorant and unaware of how difficult things can be for people of another race than it sometimes is for me. I apologize for making assumptions and not rushing to your defense when you need it. I welcome you, your culture, your differences, and I choose to lovingly overlook any offense you might cause me, and I humbly ask that you do the same for me. I recognize you and all races as an equal partner in God's gift of salvation through Jesus. And I promise to love, defend, and honor you, 
regardless of the color of your skin. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer.